Welcome to the Digital From Day One podcast. Our aim is to build a bridge by creating content that will pique interest, spark conversations, and encourage further innovations that will ultimately build a more informed and prepared pipeline of learners headed for the 21st century workforce. Hi, my name is Brendan Dickerson, and joining me as always is Joelle Nelson. Today, you'll be listening to a discussion with the Managing Director of Workforce and Economic Development at Drive Ohio, Rich Granger. Rich, how are you doing today? I'm great, Brendan. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. Uh, we were really excited to have you. Uh, we've seen a lot of different things that going on, not only you know, at Drive Ohio, but just some of the different other initiatives as well, too. So we're really excited. So let's just uh, dive in a little bit uh, since uh, we have you here. One of the things that we noticed was that you, know, you have a mechanical engineering background, uh, a BS and an MS uh, from The Ohio State University. Go Bucks. And also, you know, layered on top of that, you have, you know, MBA as well, too. So um, where did you get your interest in engineering and um, kind of like what made your what made you decide to also seek out an MBA as well? Well, the uh, the engineering, I guess I was always tinkering with my toys when I was a kid. You know, I had the old old school transformers. So I always had a little set of uh, screwdrivers taking them apart. And, you know, any resale value was long since lost there. But right. <laughs> you know, that, was, that, that sort of mechanical tinkering was always kind of my thing. And so that theme of robots and tinkering with stuff has kind of followed me through my career. I, you know, I enjoy art also. I actually drew a comic strip at, at, in the Lantern back when the Lantern had a comics page. So another go. So I was kind of looking at architecture and engineering, and I kind of tilted towards engineering by the time I arrived at OSU. And then pretty early in my career, I realized I don't want to be just doing, you know, hardcore technical all the time. So that was where the, you know, I'd done some marketing work in student organizations uh, while at OSU. So that kind of tilted me towards the business side of things. And that kind of accelerated and going for the MBA while working uh, early in my career. Now, to, so... You know, you were, you say you were doing all this tinkering and things of that nature while you were younger. Was there anything else that you did? Maybe maybe your parents engaged you with, or even at school, they kind of took that a bit further to kind of say, okay, you know, I go from tinkering with my toys to now engineering is a, you know, is a is a career option for me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd say it was a mixture of school and reinforcing at home. Uh, there was, I remember things like Science Olympiad in middle school and science uh, fairs and science <laughs> projects, building a digital computer with, uh, back when computers were still kind of newish, I'll show my age here a little bit, but, you know, light bulbs turning on with mechanical switches and, and things like that. So, yeah, and into high school, you know, just a, a good set of similar type of experiences. So it's just having that reinforcement just kind of kept the interest level high. That's uh, really interesting that you said uh, Science Olympiac. That's, you know, where uh, Joel works. A lot of different things that he's doing with his uh, work. Um, I, another thing that I just wanted to just touch on, too, as well. Um, I also noticed that you are, I guess, you know, you was heavily into, like, project management and program management um, when you first started out. Was there a reason why you started out in that area? Um, or was it more so just with, I guess, the career track uh, you was on that kind of propelled you there? I would say that that was maybe one of my first experiences where having a good a good mentor at my workplace kind of pulled me in that direction where they kind of spot something in you and say you know you may you may want to give this a try because I don't know well these days I, I continue to be impressed with how much 
everyone is throwing at uh, younger students earlier and earlier, but I don't know too many kids that say, I want to be a project manager when I grow up. I hope they do. <laughs> I think it's, it's a, it can be a very lucrative thing to do and, and impactful too. It's not just about, you know, what you earn, but what, we, what you deliver. But yeah, that was, that was a case where I had, you know, one of my early career mentors kind of pull me aside and say, let's work together on this. And, and that, that was somebody who I still stay in touch with to this day and we take turns helping each other out. So um, that, that was a nice kickstart to the, to the, the first phase of my career. So, I mean, what we've heard now is that your kind of at home playful tinkering became something that, you know, pushed you into a career field as you kind of, did extracurricular activities in, in, in school, particularly in middle school and in high school. Um, and then you also had a, a mentor, right? Once you got into your career field that said, hey, you know, you might want to jump over into this area and, and get your feet wet here as well. You got to partner uh, your experience or your educational experience with some with some workforce uh, level experience as well. How, how can young people kind of get that same thing that, you know, the things that you've uh, kind of been able to uh, have, have set you up for where you are now, um, particularly in areas where they, there may not be the opportunities available to either have a mentor that has that experience and have that background to kind of guide them in the right direction, or maybe even the, the extracurricular activities may not be there to guide them in that the right direction. Uh, is there opportunities that you see that might be available to young people beyond those? I think there are absolutely opportunities. And Joelle, you have described the reason I took this job is to help create systematic opportunities like that. So if, if, I, if you'll indulge me, let me describe some of what we're building at Drive Ohio and mm -hmm. jump into the present and peek into the future. And then we can keep going backwards as yep. much as you like. So we've, we're building out a program called Drive Ohio Ambassador. Now, I may need to just maybe briefly explain what I mean when I say Drive Ohio. For those that aren't familiar, we're part of the Ohio Department of Transportation. We're created to be the state's one-stop shop for smart mobility. When we say that, we mean connected automated vehicles on the ground and in the air. And so you can go back to that later and unpack that. But the, the point is we want to talk to students in areas where maybe they don't have all the resources uh, don't get a fair shot maybe as compared to other parts of the state. And, and that can be all sorts of different types of underserved uh, districts. And what we want to offer is some of those more structured mentoring experiences with industry, into employers along with us. And so what we're doing is we're using small robots and we're going into classrooms and the ambassador program is designed to train high school students to teach robotic coding for let's say middle school students. And then ideally we have industry colleagues along for the ride with us. And we're piloting some of this in the Linden community right now, working with the Pyramid um, Community Development Corporation. Mm -hmm. And I just this morning as I was getting ready, I was thinking to myself, I should have invited our lead for this, Ken, Kenya Gray, who's an intern at Drive Ohio. He's in class right now at OSU. Otherwise I might've tried to pull him in, but he's, he's really the one that can talk about all this because he's bringing his own personal experience to this. He grew up, uh, in, in East Cleveland and, and is uh, really uh, knocking it out of the park at OSU. But he tells me all the time, look, I didn't have some of these same opportunities that we're now delivering to some of these students. And he's the one delivering the content, delivering the message. And, and all I'm trying to do is just to be a dot connector, to get, to get him 
paired up with the community partners that we can work with and, and build a program that can hopefully be scaled all the, all the way around the state. That's the vision. And while we're doing it right now, sort of grassroots bottom up, we want to go after some grants. We want to make this a, a bigger statewide program. And we're doing it in the middle of a, a pandemic when teachers and resources and parents and everybody is stretched to their almost to their breaking point. But we can't stop. Uh, more than anything, it's more important now than ever with the digital divide getting greater and greater. Thank you for that. And also just a... Uh, uh dive a little bit more into that. Um, for some of these uh, drive ambassadors, uh, students, um, one of the things that we're seeing now is that, you know, learning never stops. Um, I think when I, my parents grew up, you know, they had like this, you no know, very like waterfall type of um, lifestyle where, you know, you go to school, you know, you get a job and then you retire. I feel like, you know, now where, you know, the connected, the connected society that we are living in is that, you know, every day is a chance to uh, learn and, and uh, meet others and expand your network as well too. So for students that are you know going through this program, it doesn't end you know once they graduate. Is that correct? So what are the, some of those next steps for those students once they do actually uh, graduate? Yeah. So and just so I'm clear, you're talking graduate high school? Or? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we are working with uh, plenty of partners that advocate for concepts like high school internships and things like that. And so you you want to see those career opportunities start earlier and earlier. And so there's this natural transition to whatever that career wants to look like for them. I mean, we work, we work with career tech programs uh, and, and two-year programs and four-year programs. So we, we wanna just present uh, technology-driven opportunities uh, to students and, and let them decide which way they wanna go. Even if they prefer something like storytelling, then maybe they get into more of the marketing side with a technology edge. I mean, that's what we're trying to present to them. And so, you know, helping them to figure out what their plan and path and impact wants to look like, you know, we're just trying to open their eyes and, and to opportunities that have technology behind them. And while we're kind of focused on this thin slice of smart mobility, uh, there are other parts of the state economy that you could have the same discussion, whether it's healthcare, uh, you know, transportation cuts into logistics. So we find ourselves talking a lot about the movement of goods. We've all uh, whether we like it or not, become experts on logistics over the past six months. So, you know, there's a lot of ways that we can talk with people about how how they have opportunities uh, in areas that could look like automotive tech and, and not just engineering. Oh, that's 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 great. That's great insight. And and like you said, um, you know, in this time, uh, we've we've kind of all become experts in some areas that have you know where we didn't think we would be experts in. Uh, you know, especially when you're trying to figure out, hey, uh, do they have disinfectant wipes now at the <laughs> at the nearest Walmart or, mm -hmm. you know, when are they coming in and so on and so forth, right? Now we were, uh, you know, fulfillment and procurement specialists um, because of because of COVID. And so transli transitioning into kind of that conversation re surrounding COVID, uh, you know, of course, we're currently um, facing unprecedented times related to the COVID-19 pandemic. How has that situation impacted Drive Ohio? And how are you all responding to that, that challenge? So it's an important question. I, there's a few different ways I can answer that. When you look at the work that Drive Ohio does, a lot of the work we do is focused on deploying this smart mobility technology across the state, both the the vehicles themselves and the infrastructure that supports it. So in that respect, there's been impact on some of our programs. I'll look at our partners in Smart Columbus, uh, the Linden Leap Shuttle, recent, uh, an automated shuttle running through the uh, 
Linden community that I mentioned earlier, where not coincidentally, we're doing STEM programming layered in with that uh, on-road deployment, uh, that program has flipped the switch from moving people to moving goods. And so because of uh, some of the issues, uh, understandable safety issues uh, and health issues uh, related to movement of people, uh, they've decided to, to switch over to food bank uh, delivery in that neighborhood. So there was, there was an example where a program pivoted uh, in, in the midst of, of all the changes we've been experiencing. Uh, it, in other ways, it, it hasn't changed our um, statewide focus on what we call smart logistics, integrating smart mobility into the movement of people, uh, into the movement of goods on the ground and in the air. In some ways, it's, it's helped to accelerate or at least reinforce the importance of that mission, which was baked into our strategy even before the, the pandemic hit. On the workforce development side and the, the, the delivery of, of, of education content with partners, I mean, you know, there has been change, absolutely. Teachers are overwhelmed with, um, and this is just a credit to them and how resilient they've been, but sometimes they're not ready for the content we, we're offering right now, and we understand that, because they're just focused on making sure uh, their students are safe, that their students are able to log in, that they have a secure connection if they're remote, or if they're in the classroom, there's just all sorts of stuff going on. So between the end of last year and the beginning of this school year, um, we've understandably taken a pause on some of those content, uh, delivering content to some of those partners, but we're checking in with them to let them know we're ready. When you're ready, we're here. And we've adapted some of our robotics education programs to be delivered uh, through a platform uh, online. Uh, we did something like that with COSI as part of their virtual science festival in May. We had a coding challenge where uh, we like to work with these Ozobots that, that involve coding with magic markers, so it's very accessible. Um, and so we had students just emailing me their maps, and I was getting out my iPhone and shooting video of these things. And uh, it, it, you know, my daughter got into it. She's six. She was having a good time with it. So I mean, that's what you got to do: is you got to be creative and, and meet meet everybody where they're at, and just be be there to help. And sometimes know when to lean into it and when to just step back for a little bit. And just to unpack um, a little bit of this, because I mean, that was great content there. Uh, one thing that you mentioned earlier uh, when you were speaking about the response was the infrastructure uh, role uh, in smart mobility. Um, one of the things that we're seeing now with the contact tracing with COVID is, you know, people have, you know, some concerns about, you know, where's my data going, you know, the privacy aspect of um, who can actually access this data or can it be sold. Um, with the work that you all are doing with, you know, connecting, you know, the fiber optic, you know, cables and, you know, make sure that information is stored and, um, and shared and analyzed uh, reasonably. Um, how can you know these fears of individuals kind of be at ease? Um, as uh, I think, you know, as I guess you know, we move forward. That's an important question. It's something we talk about uh, every week, uh, pretty much every day. There's activities we're taking to make sure that that's addressed, and it's sort of in a layered approach. When you're first deploying a lot of this technology, it tends to be more in more of a somewhat contained research environment. Now, in the case of Central Ohio, we have this great asset called the US 33 Smart Mobility Corridor, where we've declared a section of of live road as a test corridor, uh, and it's a 35 mile stretch going from for anyone familiar with the Columbus area from Dublin through East Liberty where the Transportation Research Center is um, and with Marysville in between. So along that corridor as we deploy, you know, we're, if, if we're involving, um, you know, anytime you're using federal research dollars, you do what you might call an IRB, an institutional review board where you're checking with 
you know, if people are involved uh, with activities like that, we, we have those types of layers uh, of, of protocols. And then you've got, um, you know, different types of data that get shared at different levels. And so you're always making sure that any personally identifiable information is categorized properly and either never makes it onto the network or if it does, it's contained in a very secure way. Um, so there's, those are common questions that we get and we take them very seriously. People wanna know, is it safe and is it secure? And the answer to both of those is always, yes, that's by design, that's the approach that we're taking. And as we share that around the state, we're taking a, a, a system engineering approach to it. So we've also had programs where we talk to all sorts of different communities all around the state. So even though there's been a, a good density of activity in central Ohio, we talked with all corners of the state about what their use cases are. And so we have these sort of system engineering playbooks. This is getting a little, you know, into more of the nitty gritty of how this stuff gets deployed, but it's meant to be a resource for local partners so they can just take that book off the shelf and they're 80% of the way there. It has those guidelines on how to safely and securely deploy. So everybody doesn't have to relearn it every time as this stuff scales up. So in terms of scaling up, right, one of the things that Drive Ohio is, um, one of the big, I'll say initiatives, or seems to be a part of their big initiative is the uh, usage of automated vehicles, right? So you talked about the Linden Leap, that is an automated vehicle, correct? Correct. Yes. And so and we also have like the the smart shuttle, yes, yep. which is down in the, uh, in the Scioto Mile area, that's also an automated vehicle. Yeah, that was, a, that was about a one-year deployment. Uh, it, yeah. it, that one has, has stopped, but we the team transitioned over to the Linden community, and it was two okay. different types of vehicles. But yes, both automated, and we've learned a, a lot from each. So one of the things that people are, um, you know, a little apprehensive about in relation to that can be um, the, the usage of automated vehicles and how that may impact jobs, right? Um, because of course that driver or whatever might, you know, that's a person and, and that's, you know, uh, so how is drive Ohio dealing with this challenge of, of, of people, um, being concerned about the loss of, of jobs because of the implementation of automated vehicles in a number of different areas, not only in these shuttle areas, but, you know, we've heard about, um, uh, automated automated trucks that are you know delivering goods and services and things of that nature. Um, how is, is Drive Ohio kind of involving themselves in that aspect of the challenges that people might see with with these kind of new innovations and technologies? Yeah, it's a very important question. I would say we start by listening. So we want to hear everybody's concerns first and foremost, and 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 we respect and and understand those concerns. And, and we don't just listen to people who find themselves in uh, the position of being uh, a worker that might be impacted, but that's extremely important. We also listen to the technologists. We listen to national conversations that bring all these groups to the table. So we don't just zoom in locally, but we zoom out and look at, at the national perspective. So to, to address some of those um, understandable concerns, there's some, some things we've learned and some things that we've um, realized along the way. Well, one thing I think the whole technology industry is, is realizing is that this automation stuff is not easy. It takes time. And so with that passage of time, any, any medium to long-term impacts, we all have time to prepare for. So we, we don't see 
automation happening so rapidly that suddenly everything is completely automated and, and humans are completely out of the loop. We may, you know, you can get into speculation and say we may, may never get to that point. When we look at what we're talking about right now with automating, uh, automating shuttles for people movement, what we're seeing is a lot of these routes end up being a complement to existing uh, routes. So you may have smaller vehicles that are going somewhere that the system can't otherwise afford to send uh, transit anyway. So you've got you know what what is called the first mile last mile uh, challenge, uh, and so the, getting in and helping to address that means it's complementary, and and that's back to listening. We're talking with transit agencies consistently on this, so this isn't just this isn't being presented as in competition with transit. It's meant to complement and augment uh, because, I mean, now everything has kind of changed in the past six months, um, but people still need to move around, and you're 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 finding that. Back to that theme of the divide growing, the most essential workers are the ones who, who are still using transit and need it. And so yeah. where are the gaps in the system and how can we safely move people around? So um, it's, it's definitely a, a, an important and a long-term discussion and we're in it for the long haul. I mean, that's why we're, we're simultaneously developing some workforce training programs that focus on uh, not just engineering pathways. I talked earlier about auto technicians you think about how to maintain this technology and those jobs continue. Uh, in some ways they increase uh, because you, right. you've got more complex equipment now. And, and as we speak, there's a week long training session happening with Smart Columbus focused on connected vehicles. I dialed into part of that this morning. I'll be listening again this afternoon. You've got some local small businesses that are getting some of their auto technicians trained up on connected vehicle installations, which is part of the wave of the future. And, mm. and so, um, you know, you talk about uh, truck driving, and, and we've got a, a, a lot of initiatives around truck automation. So we keep in close contact with the Ohio Trucking Association and other, other uh, employer-type uh, partners to, to make sure we're hearing all perspectives on this as, as we move forward uh, one step at a time. Well, I just want to ask one additional question. Uh, so you also you have the adaptability, right? Because you talked about the Linden Leap shuttle transitioning from a people mover to a goods mover in the face of what we had to deal with um, over the last six months. And um, so I guess that also to kind of expand on the, um, if you can, the opportunities that are aligned with automated vehicles um, in terms of, you know, what they can, you know, are, are there more things that they can do? Are there more opportunities for, for people to, be employed in those areas because now you're not just looking at the mechanical components, but you're also looking at the the data and analytics and all of the you know the the other things that we normally would say are specific to just computers, but now they're on you know the onboard computers of these automated vehicles, and it's more important that these things are working correctly and so on and so forth. So, in terms of opportunities related to automated vehicles. What what what's out there in, in in terms of the they can do, um, and then what opportunities are available for people to kind of plug in 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 relation to workforce development? Absolutely, yeah. This this cuts right into the mission of Drive Ohio. I talked earlier about more of the technology trade space that we've got. You know, I gave this more technical definition of what we mean when we say smart mobility, connected, automated vehicles and infrastructure on the ground and in the air. That, that's more solution-based. Why do we do it? What is our mission? What is our purpose? We've got these five pillars that 
dig right into the impact in the community and the opportunities that come with it. We talk about safety, mobility, access, reliability, and talent. I could unpack each of those. It spells out smart, so that's how I'm able to remember it. So there you go. There but you go. <laughs> we, you know, I mean, safety, we talked about it earlier. I mean, you can get into, you know, security also, but, you know, the safety impact of these, of, of the movement of people and goods to reduce uh, accidents. When we talk about mobility, uh, different modes of mobility, we talk about access. Now you're really getting into the heart of it. Uh, better access to food, healthcare, jobs, education, training, and you know, entertainment and other things that keep the economy moving. Um, I, I mean, that's that's really the, the the heart of the impact that we're trying to drive towards. You know, reliability. Are my goods getting where they need to go? Can people get to where they need to go reliably so they're not late to work or, or late for uh, daycare pickup or wherever they're trying to get to? Talent, that's the jobs. Uh, that's the workforce getting the jobs. So when I say my role is focused on workforce and economic development, it's jobs and talent together. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting uh, this, this pipeline of talent ready to go and you wanna have jobs in the state ready to catch them so we don't train them up and then they leave. We, right. and, I know there's this classic approach to recruit people back and say, well, come on back, you know, after you've gone off to the coast or whatever, we're saying, just stay here. I mean, we want you here. And, and, and so when we talk about opportunity, we've got a smart mobility strategy for the state that acknowledges where we're at today, where we've been, but also where we're going. You can talk about the history of aviation that goes back over a hundred years to the Wright brothers. We're now reinventing that legacy in Springfield and Dayton area again, you can just see the headlines of ongoing demonstrations of the Sky Vision system down there with package delivery in and around the Springfield Airport. Uh, you can talk about uh, the, the automotive sector that's big in the state and, and, and all, all the work we do uh, with supply chain for that. And then you can talk about logistics. And that's where the real heart of our strategy kicks in. The smart logistics is a major focus of our strategy. It's not the only thing we're doing, but you look at all these distribution hubs, you look at how the interstate system just connects right through the middle of Ohio and you can get to um, you know, a, a, a significant portion of, of the US within you know, less than a day's drive. I mean, it's, we're right in the middle of all that stuff. And so that's, mm-hmm. that's where we see a lot of opportunity uh, with this technology is to, is to position Ohio for continued success in the logistics industry, which is kind of one of those silent engines that keeps moving in the background that really keeps the economy running around here. And, you know, as we don't know what the future holds, um, six from six months from now, a year from now, even tomorrow, but uh, what are some of the different, um, I guess, opportunities or uh, some different information that uh, the communities at large can um, take away from Drive Ohio as uh, we prepare for the next, you know, crisis going forward? Yeah, so what, what we're trying to do is to make sure that we're responsive to what's needed in the moment and in whatever moments we can anticipate. So, um, you know, when you talk about all the different things that ODOT is doing, technology deployment, I mean, you could look at things like the smart lane uh, along Interstate 670 heading from downtown out towards the airport where you've got um, what, what we think is a, is a pretty innovative use of, of infrastructure without adding a full extra lane. You open up this the shoulder only when it's needed, but you've got digital signage that is multi-layered and multi-use, and it's not just for uh, congestion relief during rush hour. It, it, that that is but one it, of the major. It has been extremely impactful in my uh, <laughs> in my own. I, I I'm personally grateful for that that uh, that innovation because that was huge. 
That's yes. good to hear. Well, well, I'll put in a shame. <laughs> I'll put in a shameless plug right now. That is one of twelve. Uh, infrastructure innovations across the country that's up for an award right now and if okay. you check out drive ohio social media and vote every 24 hours uh until voting closes if that is selected as the national winner cosi gets ten thousand dollars for their science on wheels program so get the word out and vote for that thing you <laughs> i like want it? it yeah vote Let's for do it, it man absolutely teamed up with stephen white and the whole team at cosi over there and i'm gonna yeah. just speculate that stephen will be on one of these podcasts in the future but uh, yes Get the word out for the good stuff that they're that they're doing so mm -hmm. yeah that's i mean we're, we're we're trying to build resilient infrastructure that's that's ready for the 21st century as it as it is right now and so that gets into data analytics um you know we're doing some uh, you know i hadn't mentioned our capstone work that we're doing with higher ed uh, every semester we've got a different uh cast of projects uh this current uh, semester they all happen to be kind of located at ohio state which is great we've had other semesters where we've been all around the state and that, i'm sure that'll continue uh but we're doing right now digging into mqtt data protocols uh for data analytics with a team of computer science students we just kicked that off last week so we're you know, we're trying to both work with the the emerging workforce while we're delivering these solutions to keep uh, to keep the infrastructure as resilient and adaptive as it can be. And just quickly, could you explain what you said it was MTQE? Is that correct? Oh yeah, I'm getting into acronyms. <laughs> and, you know, I'll, I'll show how quickly out of my depth I'm getting. I'm not a data scientist, but yeah, there's these different types of uh, protocols that are used for um, for handling data. And uh, this is an open source protocol, uh, MQTT is the name of it, but uh, mm -hmm. it was presented to me by some of our um, IT and technical team. And so they were on the call with those students last week. And so the, that team of students through their capstone program is doing uh, a two-step process for us this semester. They're doing uh, market research to figure out who else has used this protocol for smart city and connected vehicle applications, both across the US and around the world. And then they're going to uh, deliver us recommendations by the end of the semester on how we might pilot this, both in simulation and along the 33 corridor uh, in the months and years ahead. So it, it really ties back to our, our strong belief in work-based learning and getting students involved, um, sometimes as interns, other times as it's almost more like an externship where they're a course project, they're doing live work. And while we're glad to catch them in the fourth year of their education, I, I kind of selfishly want to catch them earlier so we can then make sure that they stay in Ohio because uh, all the best ones have, have picked their jobs by the time they're in their fourth year and, and uh, we want to draw that big tent and have everybody aware of what's <laughs> what the opportunities here as early as we can catch it. This is wonderful and I think one of the things that has been the theme so far in our conversation with with you and, and it's really been a part of the conversations we've had with with others including uh, you know, Scott McLemore at Honda and 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 uh, and, and even um, Lisa Chambers at Tech uh, Core is that um, you know you can have a focus area, but um, breadth is also in, important. So because you know you've talked a lot about marketing and market research just as you know almost as much as you've talked about the technology behind what it is that you all are doing because it makes no sense to do all this innovation when no one's using it right mm -hmm. and that's the that's the marketing and the market research behind it is you got to do stuff that people want and then tell them that it's there when you when you're done so um is that kind of where the nba 
kind of uh, comes in for, for you, you know, in, in terms of, okay, you know, I had this technical knowledge and I pulled that together and even had some pro uh, uh, project management experience and things of that nature. But now, um, you know, uh, there's also just the general understanding of how business is conducted. Um, and is that how that kind of made its, its impact for you in this work? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's 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 about communicating and even about storytelling. And you know, for everyone's career is going to take a different winding path. And I think the best thing that anybody can do is think about what what really motivates them and what where they feel their strengths are. And then surround yourself with people that might fill in any gaps you feel that you have. But appreciate all those different talents and perspectives that can be kind of blended together. I mean, one of my <clears throat> favorite stories from a colleague who teaches at OSU their team was hosting a student innovation workshop. And they had, as they were doing introductions, everyone was going around the room and one by one, all these engineers kept popping up. And, and this educator noticed one of the students just start to make their way towards the exit. And he pulls, them, pulls this person aside and says, why are you leaving? Goes, well, I don't feel like I quite fit in. I'm not an engineer. Well, wait a minute, why, you can, why did you come here? Well, I hang out with engineers. So why do they like you? Well, I tell good stories. Well, why don't you stick around? So that student ended up you know, having such a strength in storytelling that they were the lead presenter for the winning team. And if they'd mm. have just walked out, you know, they wouldn't have had that chance to, to make a difference. And so, you know, people shouldn't feel intimidated by technology. I, I think they should, you know, appreciate it from whatever perspective they bring. If they're, if they're focused on making a difference, um, and, and everyone is in their own way, how can they be part of that story is, I guess, the way I like to think about it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Digital From Day One podcast. Make sure to visit our website at o.osu.edu forward slash digital day one. That's the number one, where you can find out how to subscribe, more information about our guests, and more information about our team. As always, we love to know what you think. Use the feedback form on the website or shoot us an email at digitalfromdayone at osu.edu, the one is actually spelled out here, or simply give us a rating on iTunes. And we'd appreciate if you tell a friend about our little show here too. There's more to come from our guests in this episode, so be on the lookout for that. I'm Joel Nelson, along with Brendan Dickerson, and let's continue to make the connections to Opportunity Stronger. Until next time, everybody.